Today, we're launching our new Vendor Bender series. We'll be talking to industry experts that help designers run their businesses. And we're starting off with Dahlia Souls of Design Assisted. She's here giving us guidance on how a design assistant can support your design business at any level. It's time to stop making excuses and start getting things done. Let's go. Rebecca of Studio Plum. And I'm Sean of Renstead Interiors. We're interior designers. Turned internet friends. Turned real life friends. Welcome to the Hot Young Designers Club podcast. We're not that hot. Or that young. Every week, we'll be spilling the tea on how a new generation of interior designers can run their businesses. Welcome Welcome to to the the club. club. Our guest today is Dahlia Souls, the founder of Design Assisted, a project management company that specializes in assisting interior designers with their projects from concept to completion. Having worked with a high-end design firm in Palm Beach, Florida, Dahlia recognized a gap in the market to help designers operate their businesses more effectively. She launched Design Assisted in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic and has already grown to a team of nine and has helped over 40 designers create beautiful projects nationally. Welcome, Dahlia. Hi. Hi. Good to see you. So excited to be here. Yeah. Full disclosure for the hotties listening, both Rebecca and I have experiences working with you at Design Assisted. Yes, my two favorite clients. Oh, Oh, please. And you have a really impressive background that we'd like for you to share a little bit more with our listeners about how you came to the design industry. Sure. I kind of fell into it on accident. So I have a background in hospitality, private aviation, commercial real estate, graphic design, and now interior design. And essentially, it took me 30 years to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. You know, like most people, I had all of these talents. And I just, I didn't know how to channel it into just one thing. So really I got into it because I was burnt out with my graphic design career, which I'm sure you can relate, Rebecca. (laughs) And my husband and I had just purchased a home and, you know, I started doing kind of the decorator thing and was like, huh, this is interesting. I kind of enjoy this. And I, I just, I quit my job and I started working for a wallpaper library, this boutique near me in West Palm Beach, Florida. And I learned everything I could from this young woman who's now a good friend of mine about wallpaper and textiles. And then from there, I went on to work at Kemble Interiors in Palm Beach and really was kind of thrown to the wolves. They, they really tell you to just go for it when you get there. I started as an intern, an almost 30-year-old intern. And... There you go. I mean, and when you want something and you're, you know, approaching your thirties, you're kind of like, what do I have to lose? You know, I've, I've done so many other things. Why not go for it? So I did, I went for it. I mean, I I literally would have cleaned their floors if they had asked me to. So they, (laughs) they hired me pretty quickly on. And from there I started assisting a couple of designers and kind of found my place with a designer in particular and like on the side or no there. So the way that it's structured, there's many designers within the firm 
and then a bunch of design assistants essentially. And you kind of get paired up with whoever fits. And yeah, so I got teamed up with a spectacular designer and she is the kind of person who doesn't say no to anything. So we were always on the go. We had anywhere from 10 to 15 commercial and real estate projects at a time. And I just had to figure it out. I had never even been inside of a country club before. And I was figuring out how to order contract fabric and flame retardant on, you know, specific things like, you know, stuff you don't think about when you're like, like oh, code design, stuff and, code yeah. stuff. Exactly. You know, oh, design, design is so fun, but there's, it's, there's just so much to it. And because I didn't go to school for it, I was kind of like, okay, how do I figure this stuff out? And luckily I was in a firm where there were varying degrees of expertise, people who had been in the industry for 30 years and others for 10 years. So I really learned everything I could there. And it really, it's been such a value and, and not just, you know, working at Kemble, but my background and all of the other industries have really kind of shaped what design assisted is. And that starts with anything from, you know, our organization to our processes. I've kind of taken a little bit of everything from every background that I've had. Yeah, I want some of this private aviation. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that was such a random stint in my life, but I was working for an investment banker and it was right around the economic downturn. I got laid off from my job as his assistant. I was still taking courses at the community college and I found this private airport down the street and I sent them my resume and they're like, come on in. And I stayed there for three years and it was fun. I can see how this idea of concierge service and being there to support and... Yes, exactly. Being in kind of a luxury service and being of service to others. That's kind of my whole shtick, right? Is I am a creative support and me and my team together. I actually pulled a lot of organization from there and, Mm -hmm. you know, multitasking and putting together tasks and those kinds of things. I love that you had this exposure to this wellspring of knowledge by working for larger firms. There's this constant existing base that it's so hard when you're coming up as a designer, whether you went to school or not, it's hard to find those people to pull from, to ask about how does this work? How do we build this? Is that even possible? And I think that that really helps get to that process of there's people to pull from, there's a knowledge base to get it from, even if you don't know, I'm going to find the person who does. And I feel like we as designers have to do that so much when we're in front of clients and you're just like, well, I know it, I know someone did it, so I'm going to figure out how for you and just fake it till we get there. Yeah, having that figure out spirit, I think is key. And I heard you saying a lot of that, giving yourself credit. You also just went into the wilds of this industry and you learned it all. You asked the questions, you soaked it up. That takes a lot too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you really kind of have to have a certain personality to do do that. Neither one of us had a background in interior design coming into this, but we decided we were going to learn it and we were going to master it in some form. And you have to have that kind of, you know, 
the spirit of finding and learning and, and mastery. Yeah. Designers are really tenacious. As a group, we're just like scrappy and willing to jump into things and just want to figure out how do we get to the this imagined place we're trying to create. Well, the problem solving aspect is just a daily. <laughs> I mean, we are professional problem solvers, I think, before mm-hmm. anything. And some of that is with the creativity, but a lot of it is just with some random thing will come up every single day. And how do we figure it out? Absolutely. I, I know that there's issues in every industry, but <laughs> it almost seems like we run into something at every turn. And yes. I've always been of the mind that don't come to me with problems, come to me with solutions. You can't complain about every little thing. <laughs> I'm very solutions oriented. I teach this to my assistant, even she's very young. She was a former intern of mine when I worked at Kemble and we worked together very well, but there are times when we've got to figure out problems and I'm like, all right, how are you going to fix it? I'm not going to give you the answer. We're going to workshop this together, but I need you to come to a solution on your own as well. Cause I, I may not always be here to guide you. Totally. Right. Or just the decision fatigue of it all as, as you know, a company, you know, being an entrepreneur, being that you have your family, that you have designers coming to you all day, you can't be the only person making every decision. Absolutely. I really kind of function as not only a project manager, but even a a therapist at times. Sometimes (laughs) my design clients will come to me. Well, this is actually kind of a specific example, but a client decided that they were going to stay in the state that they were in. And we had been working on a project for them in in a different state and they're going to now sell that house and do all these things, but they weren't sure. And they were kind of in limbo. And she was like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I said to her, well, this isn't really your problem. They need to make a decision. <laughs> mm-hmm. Most of this stuff is ordered. You have, they signed a contract and mm-hmm. we don't know if we're going to be able to return these things. So until you get a response from them and tell them what date they have to, you know, give you an answer you don't need to worry about this right now. You are spread so thin. Let's focus on the things that you can control. Mm. And she was like, that makes so much sense. I don't know why I didn't think of that. Well, you're too close to it. That's why I'm looking at it from an outside perspective. So, I mean, I love those calls too, because I feel so good at the end where I'm like, yes, I solved the problem. You know? Yeah, she just well, has that's... to go back and say it. Like, okay. call me when you have a decision. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I mentioned this in our outsourcing episode about the nice thing about outsourcing design work like this is you aren't emotionally attached to the projects like we are. We absorb a lot of times the cl- our client's anxieties and stress and we're trying to you know really be there for them but you're separate and you don't take that on which I think is a relief and like you're saying it can provide perspective and a lot of help for sure and that is actually one of my favorite aspects of what I do is that I really enjoy working with interior designers and it's not that I don't enjoy working with design clients but I can commiserate with a designer about long lead times or damaged furniture or, you know, just any kind of thing that arises because I understand and they understand we're completely on the same page. If you're talking to a design client, it's a little bit harder to 
to explain that in terms that isn't going to aggravate them or disappoint them. Right. Because we have to keep them calm. (laughs) (laughs) Everything's fine. We're like the duck on the surface of the lake with our Mm -hmm. little feet kicking fast, but very serene (laughs) on the surface. (laughs) I think you touched on that idea of being able to be behind the scenes. Did you always intend for what you're doing or for design assisted to be behind the scenes? Was that the idea from the beginning? That's a good question. And truthfully, I don't know. I, as I said before, I've always been a creative support and I thrive in lifting other people up. So I think maybe unintentionally I've created this space to be behind the scenes, to be kind of the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain. (laughs) And I enjoy being here. I think there's a lot less (laughs) scrutiny behind the curtain, a lot less judgment. I'm not actually putting any of my design work out there in the open. I'm, I'm helping others to create theirs. And I really thrive in an environment where I'm supporting other people. So yeah, I think unintentionally, that's, that's probably what I built here. Is that what like inspired the creation of Design Assisted and you going on your own? Or was there another sort of like a seed moment that pushed you off to do that? No. So <laughs> I, I figured out that this was a necessity just by struggling on my own, you know, in projects and having these thoughts where I was just so stressed out, had so many things to do. And I remember thinking it would be so nice if I had one extra set of hands who could just add this thing into a proposal or run this item back to a store or measure a living room. And we had, I had so many interns at my disposal, but I also had to teach them how to do these tasks. Mm -hmm. And that sometimes is more of a headache than it's worth because I might as well have just done it myself at that point. So in my head, I was like, well, maybe I could create this space where, you know, if a designer just needs help with one project or one aspect of a project, even they have someone to call who knows what they're doing, needs really minimal training on whatever the project is or minimal explanation can just send me their notes and say, hey, can you put this together, make it look nice and send it back to me so that I can focus on my business or, you know, focus on this one client or, you know, this one timeline. That That's really where Design Assistant was born out of. It, it was a necessity. And, you know, they say, what is the saying? Necessity is the master of invention or... Something like that. I don't know. I probably put it. Yes. The mother of invention. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's so true in our field. So between design assisting and project management, you do a little bit of both, correct? What would you say the difference is? I can kind of answer this in a different way because right now I've seen kind of a, a big influx of virtual design assistants and you'll never hear me or my team call ourselves a virtual design assistant. So we offer design support in pretty much every facet. And that includes putting together proposals, procurement, tracking. And then in addition to that, we draw floor plans and create 3D renderings. We also put together mood boards. More recently, I've been offering a service where I will actually help you design 
for your clients. So you give me the scope of work and I will give you three options of a sofa, chairs, side tables. And this happens after I get to know you a little bit better and I understand your style and I understand your trade sources and really kind of make it fit into your design aesthetic as a firm. And from there, you would go on and fine tune it in your own way, you know, add your own fabrics and wallpapers and, you know, tiles, those kinds of things. So really what we do encompasses everything that a design assistant would do as well as a project manager. So we have different people on our team that handle different aspects of whatever it is that you need for us to do. I don't know if that really answered your question. What's the difference between design assistance and project management? When I think of design assistance, I think, you know, somebody who's going to help you pull materials and pull sources, as well as draw floor plans, anything on that side. And then project management is more really the back end, the nitty gritty of everything, making sure that everything is ordered and going to get where it needs to get on time, as well as reselecting items that maybe are way past the lead time that you need or over the budget that you need and really just communicating that to the designer. Are you client facing ever? In one of my projects I am right now, and it just happens to be because they were in Nashville. My client, the designer is in DC and she was sending me kind of the scope and photos. And I was like, you know, I'm actually going to be in Nashville this week. I could go visit the client. And she was like, absolutely, please go. So it actually worked out. So there are times when I am client facing, but it's pretty rare. What do you think the benefit is for designers out there that are thinking about hiring an employee? What would you say to them, the benefits are of hiring a design assistant? Designers are spread so thin right now. Everyone is going through some kind of transformation in their home, it seems. And mm-hmm. we're all lacking time, myself included, which is why I've been building this team. So I think really the benefit of hiring, let's say a virtual design assistant slash project manager, um, hiring someone who you can use on an as needed basis will really just help you grow your business. It will help you focus on your tasks at hand. And it really is just kind of peace of mind at the end of the day. You know, how many times have you been up until three o'clock in the morning putting together a presentation because you don't have someone to help you? And it would just be so easy to make a phone call or send an email and say, can you please help me with this? And then never speak to that person for, you know, three months until you need them again, Mm because you don't have to worry about a full-time salary or, you know, if Mm -hmm. those people are being taken care of. Payroll is expensive. It's a monumental emotional pressure to have employees, if you're a business owner, to feel like, am I bringing in a pipeline of business that will support them? And now I'm responsible for them paying their rent or their mortgage or their car payment. And that's for a lot of us, since we're emotionally spread thin already, to add that that sense of responsibility can be really overwhelming as an entrepreneur. As well as like I've had employees before and you're also again, absorbing their, their emotional lives. So they have a bad day. They're having issues at home. I mean, a lot of that come, it has to come to work. Bleeds over. we're We're humans. Like, and I believe it should come to work, but it's also not always the best time for it. Yeah, you're and like, today's stressful. the install. It's not the day for the breakdown. Like, 
pull it together. We need you. <laughs> Don't call in sick with it because you had a nightmare last night, please. Beyond just like the functional aspect of having hired employees and, and all of that, there's also the financial side that can become burdensome. But what we've tried to talk with other designers about and even in our coaching sessions to talk about is knowing when is the right time to have help and and making sure that there's this differential between if you're going to have someone come in to assist you or be an employee, that you want to make sure that you stand to make money off of the work that those parties are doing and that a certain amount of it is billable. And the nice part with the work that you're describing that you can do is that that's directly translatable to billable time to our client. And we can choose how we mark that up or how we bill it. But the goal would be that hopefully the work that you're you're helping someone with is coming in at a lower rate than what it can be billed at. So that way you're not losing out on the deal as the lead designer, you know, from Rebecca and I's perspective. Absolutely. And I completely agree. So before I started design assistant, I felt people out on uh, the different kind of design groups on Facebook and put my feelers out there and just said, you know, what, what would you pay someone to, to assist you to do A, B, and C? And does that look like a percentage of the project or is that an hourly fee or is that a, a flat rate, you know, kind of a package deal and across the board, everyone said an hourly fee. So Mm-hmm. That's how I wound up, you know, structuring everything. And I mean, I've been in business for a year now and there are still times when I'm I'm trying to figure it out because I have some clients who use me more often than others. And and that's where kind of the personal aspect comes in where I'm like, am I supposed to be doing more for them because, you know, they're giving me more and so on and so forth. But, you know, to your point, bringing someone on really is kind of a, an emotional aspect to everything. And I I did say this to my assistant early on when I brought her on full time, I feel responsible for you now. And I I just need you to know that, that I'm going to take (laughs) care of you. I am now your mother and (laughs) everything's going to be okay. And now, now when I work, I'm working for you to make sure that you are okay. But yeah. So yes, I think that one hand really kind of feeds the other and going into this the way that we structured, the way we did business at my previous firm, I'm learning is actually very different from so many firms throughout our country, throughout the industry, really. Everyone does things in their own way and no two look the same. So I wasn't even sure if charging an hourly fee and having them bill that back to their clients was feasible. So it, it was actually nice to hear that you know, you could build this back to your clients. And that's how we we structure everything. You know, when we bill for our time, we write down our designer, our designer's name, and then their project, which is their client, and then the duration mm-hmm. for that. And we put it in a really nice little spreadsheet and then send it back. And then that way, if you're billing your client for it, you can just easily see it and add it to your invoice for over. them. Yeah. 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 That was, that made me think about one of the benefits, like to, piggyback off Sean's point is that most of the hours that I've hired you for are for billable time uh-huh. versus when I've had people in-house with me, I'm having them organize my sample library and clean shit up around here and return things, which are still necessary. 
but in the infancy of my business where it is right now, they're not billable hours. And yeah. it's just starting to add up. Working with you, it is really clean. I input you as the person who worked on it. You have your own hour, two hourly rates in my system. And yeah, and then when it gets billed to the client, I still profit off of that time. It works well. And logistically, okay. it's making sure you have the time as the lead designer to say, I still have to administrate this and track it and do it. So if it's not going to make financial sense to bring someone in, then then why am I not doing it myself? It's just to gain my time back. So there's yeah, the time and the money. And I need to just still build profit and still work on my own personal income. So any outsourcing I have to do with care, basically. So mm-hmm. it makes sense to outsource billable time, even though Thanks. there's a bunch of shit I don't want to do. <laughs> And to your point, Sean, time is money, right? So Mm -hmm. if, if we are outsourcing to give ourselves more time, then we can take that time to make more money. It kind of goes Or take vacation. Or take vacation, (laughs) take a nap, you know? It's, I think the goal would be like, we were talking, another designer that we're friends with talked about how, oh, this is like the, one of the first weeks in a long time where I really felt like I could take the half day off or a whole day off. And I would not have negative repercussions as a result of that. And so I think that is a huge selling point for us to think about, look, stuff can still be happening because in your example, Dahlia and her team, things are still happening. Even if I choose to take a half day off or I have to go to a doctor's appointment, things are still happening that are earning billable time and to the benefit of my client, work is still getting done to progress their project. So they know at the end of the week, they don't need to know I took a day and a half off, you know, or that like for Rebecca, Cecily had a, a day where she didn't have childcare, but things could still be happening. And I, that's the benefit of having that help from your team, whether they're hired as employees or it's outsourced help. I think it's just not realistic to be running the number of projects we do without getting help along the way. That's true, because then we can think like, okay, if I bundle up some stuff, send it off to Dahlia's team, then instead of tomorrow being a zero income day, it's a half income day, but it's still Mm -hmm. income. Yeah. And you didn't just lose the whole, that whole productivity base for it. Hey, Sean. Have you signed up for the Hot Young Designers Club newsletter? Oh, no. Really? Is this you not wanting to clutter your inbox with a lot of excess junk? No, no. Let me do it. Where do I need to go? You need to go to hotyoungdesignersclub.com. Scroll down until you get to the subscribe button. Just pop in your email address and your name. All right. I'm doing it right now. Is this going to be a bunch of spam? It's not. It's actually not going to be anything until we actually get around to sending something. But we have big plans and we want to be able to send surveys to get feedback from our audience. And maybe once in a while, a special surprise or a recap. All right. I'm on it. Thank you. Back to the show. You Okay, Dahlia, you did say it briefly. Can you lay out more? What are all the things your team does? It doesn't necessarily have to be like this person does one thing, but what are the things that designers do come to you to help with? 
kind of the laundry list? Short answer is everything. Okay, so I think the thing that we get requests for the most is really proposals. So, you know, they'll come to us with links to items that they've chosen or an entire presentation with a source list. And we will then take all of those items and price them out and then add them into whichever CRM they use, whether it's Studio Designer, uh, House Pro, MyDoma. I know a lot of people use design files, actually have not had experience with that yet, but when you've used one, you've basically used them all. Yeah, they're all kind of similar platform. They're, They're very similar. And then on top of that, you know, so we'll, you know, put it all together, tie it up in a nice bow, send it back to them for approval. They come through it, we come through it, we make sure there's no mistakes on anyone's end, and then they'll send it off to their client, and then we'll get an email or a notification on Trello or Asana that says, okay, we have the money, we're good to go, start ordering. So from there, my team goes in and essentially starts procuring. And then, you know, that's where the little issues kind of come in along the way. Oh, this is now out of stock. It wasn't last week or this lead time has jumped up, you know, Mm. five weeks and we kind of troubleshoot that way. And then we work a lot in Trello. I know that you guys use Asana. So we, what we do with our clients who don't use any kind of project management system is we will set them up with a Trello board and we'll add in all of their clients And then from there, we can communicate back and forth because I get so much anxiety from my inbox. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just, I mean, when it's out of control, I can't even look at it. So if I have another space where we're actually communicating about specific projects, it works so much better for everyone. And then we're all on the same page. So, So from there, we will create an additional board, which is an order board for that specific client. And we'll you know, load up everything from house or studio and kind of project manage that way. And then as we get notifications that things have been shipped out, we'll move things out to the in-transit area. And then as we get notifications that things have come to the warehouse and the warehouse is sending us photos of things, depending on the warehouse, not everyone does that. I wish they did. Then, you know, we kind of check it in, so to speak, so that it's sitting there and waiting for installation. And we try to make it as streamlined as possible so that you're not constantly having to check in and say, where is this thing? Did it get ordered? Are we on track for this date of installation? Um, All of the answers are kind of there for you. And we actually, I can't even take credit for the, the tracking board that we use because that was like a genius idea from one of my clients. And I love when those aha moments happen. And it, again, it's another favorite aspect of mine about what I do is that I'm learning so much from different clients and I get to take that information and implement it and help other designers as well Mm -hmm. kind of get organized and put a process together because it, you know, it's a tried and true method for this person. So it may work for this person. So everyone's kind of helping each other out without realizing that they're helping each other. It's a very kumbaya moment, (laughs) which I love. Um, But we all benefit from that. Right. And I always ask for permission, you know, this is, I'll say, this is incredible. Do you mind if I use this? And, you know, I usually get a, yeah, no problem, whatever. So that, I mean, that's just one small part of what we do. In addition to that, you know, if I have someone who has a request for a floor plan, I always, always, always ask for things in writing. I get a lot of people who you know, text or call and be like, can, can we get on a quick phone call about this? Yes, absolutely. I will talk to you all day long, but 
I need all of your instruction in writing. And this clears up any kind of miscommunication. You know, if there's no really confusing anything, if it's drawn on the plan or, you know, written out in specific detail. And Mm -hmm. I will take all of that and I put it in a nice little Google slide for my drafter. And I, I tell her exactly what needs to be done, add any kind of links, give her all the files. And then I send it off to her and I say, like, these are the instructions. If you have any questions, you know, and then we kind of talk back and forth. I relay any messages that need to be relayed to the designer and back and forth. We do the same thing with 3D renderings. I have another person on my team who does the most beautiful 3D renderings. And she's actually done stuff for the two of you and, or she's about to, Sean, I'm actually waiting on information. I know, I know. I do like that you're like, I'm checking in on this, but also until I have all the pieces, it's just the, hey, I'm here. And it's not that atmosphere of, oh, I have to chase it down. It's not like having someone on your team who makes you feel bad for it. It's, (laughs) It's just like a, this is what we need. And then when you have all that, then I can go to that next step for it. Gentle reminder. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Our, uh, yeah. You've our... really trained me. Sorry. You've really, you were the one who started my Google Slides training because at first I was like, oh, God, I, I don't want to do another <laughs> thing in Google. And it seemed so like basic. Not you, but just Google Slides. It is basic. In a but that's way. the beauty of it. Yeah. It really is. And then, yeah, I took Don't your, overthink it. <laughs> like I took the way that you draw, create your project kickoffs. And then I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to use this as my own way of communicating and putting notes in and stuff. And it really helped. Yeah. I mean, I think it, so much of our ideas are just brain dumps. Like just get it, get it all out somewhere. But how that's exactly it? what I use Google Slides for. And I, I, that's what I call it is my brain dump. And my, assistant actually makes fun of me because um, I'm an Enneagram three and she's always like my Enneagram three boss has 500 million lists with all the links in it and all, you know, and she's always like, I don't know why you make all these lists. You just make a ton of lists. I'm like, no, no, no. Everything has a purpose. I make these lists to make your life easier and to make my clients' lives easier as well as my own so that we know where everything is and where the information lives and how to communicate it. I, yeah, I love that I mean, because I'm not the achiever type. It doesn't motivate me. But for you, you're like, it's done. And now I feel more of myself because I got that stuff out there and finished and completed. Sean's an eight. I'm, I'm an eight. Qu- questioner. It's <laughs> like, I'm, it's like I am a challenger. I, I do. I'm like very decisive. I don't like the word confrontational, but I know that it describes <laughs> that. But I am just very direct, like, okay, I hear you saying that, but let's come to the real truth of the facts here. But I'm I just, a seven, which probably makes me the worst type of client for you. <laughs> that's a seven. The artist? Uh, no, that's all the shiny things everywhere. Yeah, I have, like, all the ideas. Sevens oh, are the enthusiast. The enthusiast. I'm your hype man. A good, she is the visionary. There's always an idea. I can show Rebecca a weird idea. And she's like, but what if it's, and she'll have like five or six different potentials. I think that my assistant may be a seven and she really kind of fuels my entrepreneurial spirit. Dolly, I want to ask you, is there something that a designer should know or do that would help them be the best prepared 
to work with you? Yeah, I really enjoy working with designers that already have a process in place. So they come to me and they're like, this is how I do things. It's all kind of wrapped up nicely. We use this program to do A, we use this program to do B, we use this kind of cloud system. And the reason I like it is because I also like to assimilate into a team that's already kind of established and you know, join the team, be part of the team, but I, I really enjoy expectations. So if I know what's expected of me, that there are specific parameters, I, I don't know why I like rules. It's weird. So I'm like, okay, well, I know that this is the rule. So I'm going to stay here. I'm going to do this. This is how they like it. I think it's the people, people pleaser in me, right? I'm like, this is going to make them so happy. Um, right. So I love that journey for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't have that. <laughs> So, you know, let's let's stick within these parameters. Let's stick with these rules. When, when I get a consultation, when I speak to someone who's like, honestly, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I just, you know, decided to do this thing. I have some clients. Like, I don't know what my pricing is. I don't know anything. I actually have another company that I work with. They are phenomenal. They used to be project managers. And now they actually teach interior designers how to put together a process. It's called mm. Willow and Jax. And it's these two women, Luz Brown. And I'm sorry, I don't remember who her partner is, but they put together these like group workshops every quarter and designers can sign up for them. I'll send their information off to people who really just need to have their process put together. And I think that they're going to start taking on new clients in the next month or so because they were on a wait list for a while. They'll do everything with you to to kind of get your business on track and get you organized. And then from there, you can come back to me and be like, okay, this is how everything's done. These are the things that I need done within you know this space, yeah. this organization. So really, I mean, my advice for, for designers is to understand how your business works and know the people that are on your team. Like you need to clearly and concisely outline what their job roles are because having people on your team to just do things kind of willy-nilly and you know having a design assistant who doesn't know if they're supposed to be putting together an estimate or putting together a mood board is really common you know so everything should just be clearly written out and everyone should know their role we'll put that in the show notes so they can find those resources because i think we keep going back to it throughout multiple podcast episodes of the, the sooner we get to like our process party episodes, the sooner you get through these things, life starts to be easier. Things start to make sense. It makes the sales process of, you know, talking to clients so much better mm-hmm. when you can clearly articulate what you're doing, what comes next, who does what, when does that fit into a whole project and where does it fit the sooner we get to those things as business owners, the more space we can open up for our creativity, for a healthier work and life balance. And, you know, it's not a magic solution, but it certainly helps you get there faster. And the confidence. I think the confidence really comes in when you're really clear and know mm-hmm. your process and feel good about it. Definitely. Great. At the end of our guest shows, we love to talk about the burning questions. Yes. So I'm we've excited. got a quick quick fire here. The first question, what's one piece of advice that you would give designers to help them attract their dream clients? Okay, write a description of who your dream client is first. 
and then find them. So are they in a book club? Join one. Do they do yoga? Go to a class. What do they look like? You know, do they go to a specific salon? Go there, uh, find the people. Those people are looking for you. It's mm. kind of, you know, the whole law of attraction thing. Seek and you shall find. Yeah, they're out there. They're out there. And I like that you um, are looking at it from different angles of like their full person and not just their job or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, so what have you done for professional development recently that you would recommend to our listeners? Okay, so (laughs) this may be a little bit of an unconventional answer, but I booked an appointment with a psychologist (laughs) after going down an ADHD rabbit hole on TikTok. And this sounds ridiculous. Believe me, when I say it out loud, it is ridiculous. But I follow a woman named Shailene Johnson, and she's very open about her ADHD. And just watching her videos actually helped me identify a lot of issues that I was dealing with both professionally and personally. So I I did, I called a psychologist and I was like, I, you know, I I never realized that I may be dealing with some stuff that's actually, you know, really affecting my productivity. And, Mm -hmm. and then I found out that, you know, women in general are not, are diagnosed far less than men or boys because it shows up in us in completely different ways. And women are people pleasers. So we learn to, mask our symptoms Mm -hmm. and we learn to kind of assimilate to others and honestly just taking that step to kind of get my mental health in check and you know figure out what was going on with me actually took my business to another level because I was able to focus on the things that I could control and you know have my team help me with the things that I just knew that I couldn't. How can you professionally develop if you yourself aren't in a place to continue that development? For sure. What's one design element that you have really been drawn to lately? (laughs) <laughs> grand millennial everything. <laughs> I, I'm living for Cameron Rupert right now. She's a young, hot designer. And I mean, she just puts pattern on pattern on pattern on pattern. And I think it's the coolest thing ever. I, my own home doesn't actually speak to that, but I just, I appreciate it and I love it and I'm, I'm living for it. <laughs> it's really having a moment. This is the big one. <laughs> If you could live in the set of any TV show or movie, what would it be? Okay, my answers are weird. I love it. For a show, did you guys ever watch Pushing Daisies? Yes. It was on for one season and then I think it got canceled. Yeah. It was super eclectic and just weird and the colors were really bright and vibrant. And I don't know, it was bizarre and in a really colorful 1950s kind of way. That was, I don't know, it it really made a huge impression on me. So that show, and then I did like a three-parter here. (laughs) So I have a show and then a movie. (laughs) And the movie would be Amelie. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. It's set in Paris, right? And I mean, I just love anything French or Parisian. And then, and the color palette's really specific in that too. Yes, mm-hmm. a lot of red. And then, if we're talking like something current that's on TV right now, I think Emily in Paris was pretty great. I loved all the molding. You know, anything European really just like makes my heart pitter patter. Okay, <laughs> last question: What's one non-living object that you would save from your home in a fire? My answer is really sad, but it would probably be my laptop because my whole life is on it. I mean, everything <laughs> is on my Google Drive, including photos. I mean, you know, yeah. passwords, everything. Like, 
I, I don't know what I would do without my laptop. <laughs> It'd be hard to restart <laughs> your whole life without some of that stuff. <laughs> it's like my other appendage. But now that I'm saying this out loud, everything's in a cloud. I kind of don't need my laptop. As long as it backs up into a cloud, you could, yeah. in theory, like go to an Apple store, buy the new laptop, and then restore it from there, in theory. Yeah. I just, so. maybe I'm just not attached to anything that's inanimate in my life that I would risk my life to save. Dahlia, we've loved having you on the show. Thank you so yeah. much for being here. Could you tell all the hotties how they can find you? Absolutely. You can find me on my website. It's designassistedco.com. We are also on Instagram. It's at designassisted. And we are also on Facebook as designassisted as well. Again, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Bye. That was amazing. Should we debrief a little? For sure. I loved talking with Dahlia about that kind of spirit of being of service, which is all the right things you want to hear when you're running your business. Especially a service-based business. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. All of that was... I, I don't experience that same journey that she shared of I don't always love being of service because mm -hmm. I feel like it puts a lot of demands on me. So I'm very in love with the journey of handing off some of those demands to somebody else. I am too. And like full disclosure, like we said, we have both worked with Dahlia in our businesses. Mm -hmm. This was not a sponsored episode or anything. But what I really like about her is... She just makes it less, oh, like I was always overwhelmed with even how to start working with somebody outside, you know, to someone, how to hand off certain things. But I also think there's some overthink that happens and I still do it. So she's kind of just there as this ready to receive. She definitely has guidance and will ask questions mm -hmm. and kind of get your thinking straight, but She's happy to just take what you have and then run help. with it. Yeah, run with it, but also get what she needs from you. I have to keep reminding myself, my clients aren't aren't paying me for whatever I'm overthinking or over designing or whatever it might be. It's like they they want to get to the result. And the thought of working with a design assistant is let's get to the results faster. Let's get that presentation out. Let's get that drawing done. Let's get that rendering finished. Let's get that proposal it, under my nose so I can sign it and pay you. We really briefly touched on time billing or things like that. I just don't believe that hiring my own employee, if I can't confidently bill for at least half their time, I don't believe that I should have somebody. It just financially... At this point. It, that this scale of my business, it does not make sense to have someone. And so being able to hand over someone who's making less than my billable hour, make it makes financial sense. It makes sense of my time, of my emotional well-being, like on multiple facets, it helps me. Yeah. But I could see where if you're if you're coming in and you're a new designer and you're starting in, at a low hourly rate, yeah, it's going to be hard to bring in help. And for a little while until you can get up to that scale where it makes sense to bill it out, then it, it might make sense for you to keep doing the work. But I've said this before, like if I have a task that could easily be handed off, but I haven't handed it off yet and I'm not getting it done, 
it's sitting on my desk making zero dollars per hour Mm -hmm. and the client is getting frustrated the second i move it to an assistant's desk it's at least making 50 percent of my hourly rate and i'm getting other things done so yeah i really am challenging myself to hand off some stuff before i go on vacation because that will be great to to not have zero billable hours when i get back yeah throw a couple things out there so you can still be getting it and then I know designers all handle the billing part different. I know some designers who create separate rates in their contract for assistants or interns or whoever to do work. If you're just wading into it, I'll be really upfront that what I'm doing is I'm billing my rate for the work that the design assistants are doing. So there's some profitability built into that because I am, if you work with different teams or different design assistants, because you might have a few their rates are going to be different depending on the work that they do. And I don't want to have to keep updating a contract to disclose those rates. And I want to be able to still charge my time instead of clients saying, oh, can the assistant do it? Because it's cheaper. (laughs) Like, I don't want that Right. right now. And they're faster. Like the, you know, CAD drawing rate might be a little bit higher, but they may get it Mm -hmm. done in half the time. So... Yeah. It kind of works out. Yeah. So there's room to be room to put that into like efficiencies of your business. If you've been thinking about it, but waiting, I definitely recommend interviewing, talking to a couple people. It's just kind of like a no brainer at this point to pass things off. Do it. You got this. All right. Until next time. Stay hot designers. Thanks for joining this meeting of the Hot Young Designers Club podcast. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Check out the show notes there for links to things we talked about today. We are keeping the conversation going on Instagram, so don't forget to like, comment, and follow at Hot Young Designers Club. You can find Rebecca on Instagram at Studio Plum. And you can find Sean at Renstead Interiors. That's W-R-E-N-S-T-E-D. hardest part of design is really just like they hire you for your opinion and then they do what they want anyway. So what was the point? I'd like to believe that we somehow were diluting. If I'm the champagne, they're just getting to control how much orange juice they put in the mimosa. Like oh, well, you never put orange juice in champagne. That's such a great way to look at it. Let me just get a little spritz bottle. Like a, just a yeah. little orange juice yeah. taste. Like, <laughs>